that you're born an Italian if you want your life to be great. See that you're born an Italiano and your life will be great. From the moment you're a small bambino, you eat pizza, you drink vino. Then they make you roly-poly. You get stuffed with ravioli. If your mama's a paisano, you will have the world on a plate. So see that you're born in Italiano and your life will be great. Hey there, Paisani. Welcome back to another episode of the Italian American Podcast. I'm your host, John Viola. Really happy to be back with everybody today for an episode that I am very excited to share. And with me on the mic, behind the glass of her booth, my associate producer, Ms. Stephanie Longo, from the very Italian city of Dunmore in northeastern Pennsylvania. So, Stephanie, good to have you on sharing duties with me today. It's great to be here. I'm so excited about this topic. I cannot wait to hear what they have to say. Yeah, let's talk a little bit about our guests that are coming on. You and I kind of, at the same time, said, hey, we should interview these two because uh, I've been following what they've been doing on social media for a couple months now. And I think you, in particular, have some personal questions to ask because our topic today is really one that I think many Italian Americans are always peripherally considering which is uh, investing in a home in Italy. And our guests come from my cheap Italian home. And before I introduce them, you're kind of in the same spot right now, right? You're, you're thinking about this at the moment. I am. So based off of a very random Facebook post that I made in tribute to my family, one of my cousins actually offered me one of the old family homesteads in Guardia Lombardi. And now the question is, how do I want to do this? Do I want to do this? <laughs> <laughs> what are the logistics? And what am I getting myself into if I do decide to <laughs> take this plunge? So I'm dying to hear this conversation. Nothing like an Italian family member to put your antennas up and just say, oh, okay, caution, hold on. Why, why is this offer on the table, right? I'm always sort of cautious. It's tough, yeah. Yeah, it's tough. It's, it's not an easy one to judge. And so hopefully our two wonderful guests here, Ms. Christina Meucci, and Michelle Cuniff will be able to answer our questions. So, ladies, welcome to the Italian American Podcast. Thank you. Thank you. It's so nice to be here. And we have you guys in from Italy. Where in Italy are you right now? Oh, we're in a small town in Tuscany called Castiglione Fiorentino. Oh, lovely. Right next to Cortona. I don't know if you've heard of Cortona. Sure. Under the Tuscan sun. Yeah. Mm -hmm. What an ideal location. No, it really is right between Cortona and Arezzo. So it's it's a nice location. We're fast into the city of Arezzo when you want to do things, but we're still nice out in the country. So it's a nice combination. It seems like there's sort of a very distinct opportunity to be close to a decent-sized city, but also have a country life. And, you know, I, I very rarely do you picture anybody in Italy in what we would kind of think of as a suburb. It's, it's sort of the least available housing stock, right? I think that's fair to say. And I think that was the thing, I'm not sure, but I think that was the thing that came around during the time of Leonardo da Vinci, actually, that he had said that he had thought Tuscany was so beautiful that there really shouldn't be developments outside the cities, you know, so you can have new houses that are right outside the city centers, but you don't really have new construction that kind of sprawls into the countryside in Tuscany, like the way we would have in America. So it is nice that it keeps the countryside beautiful. 
Now you're using the we, the American we. So Michelle, you're American. Yes, I was born in Dallas, Texas. Ah, I lived in Dallas for a little while. Oh wow! Great Lone Star State. And Christina, you sound Australian. I am Australian with Italian heritage. My father was born in this town. Oh wow, that's fantastic. Yeah, so I came for a visit about twenty-four years ago and stayed. Wow! Holy cow! I almost did that. I, I went to visit my family in the south of Italy, and I was dead set on staying. I was going to skip college and live there. And then I watched them farm for a couple of days, and I thought, I can't do this. I'm a, I'm a city guy. I Because no way I can come down here and farm. So now I'll go to Italy on my own terms one day, and hopefully you guys could help us figure that out. So tell me before we really start digging into some questions on what it looks like in the market now and what our listeners might want to know about the experience of going after an Italian house, particularly one that's on the affordable side, how did you guys come to start this business? Um, well, it's funny. Everybody asks us that all the time. I think because Christine and I have both always kind of been in real estate. My husband and I always restored houses and sold them. And Christina here has bought houses mm-hmm. to restore, to rent out, to sell. And so when we first met each other, which was because I, we rented her house one night when we were coming into town to look for houses ourselves, my husband and I, and uh, we just got to talking and we realized we kind of had this, I don't know, it was bond over real estate. Yeah, I think it was a mutual passion for real estate, renovating things, um, also helping people maybe realize a dream, which is, yeah. Like when we had told our friends in America that we were moving back to Italy, and we're like, oh, I want to do that. We want to retire there. We want a second place there. I mean, it was just a constant thing you heard that everybody wants a little footprint in Italy, and especially if they have Italian-American heritage. They really want that little footprint of their home, you know, and you can understand that. And I think when Christine and I started talking about it for real one night, we realized there's just no in-between for people, you know, that they want a place, but they don't have somebody here that they can talk to other than just like looking at listings online and then hope they can talk to an agent and then they don't know how secure or honest or whatever that is. They just needed, the, I hate to say middleman, but that's kind of what they needed, someone to hold a hand to be there for them. No, you're definitely not wrong. I mean, I think that's a big part of the psychological leap for people, even Italian-Americans, particularly, you know, so many Italian-Americans are two, three generations removed from Italy and their ancestral towns. And for many of them, while it's emotionally a completely different undertaking to, to go back and sort of repatriate as homeowners, I think from the logistical standpoint, you might as well be buying a house in Botswana because it's equally difficult. You know, we don't have the linguistic advantage anymore in most cases, and understanding how business is done in Italy is obviously you could get a master's and a doctorate in just how to send a, a letter at the Italian post office and, you know, make a phone call on a payphone. So. <laughs> You know, it's not not the easiest sort of transition. So I think there's a lot of hesitation, and I'm I'm was so excited to see your social media pop up on the show's feed a little while back because I'm really fascinated by this cheap home movement and idea. Like I've seen a lot of American companies and accounts and brands now encouraging cheap home, and obviously was thrilled to see you guys doing it in Italy. Tell us a little bit about what the definition of a quote unquote cheap home is. Oh, a cheap home. Hmm. Okay, well, a cheap home is a home that is mainly affordable to whatever your economic situation is. (laughs) Um, It's also many Americans, I guess, and also Australians or English or even Germans want to have that 
Italian heritage connection, as Michelle was speaking about before, but don't want to spend a huge amount of money doing it. And there are many homes in Italy, and I, we were discussing this the other day, a lot of Italian families don't tend to buy more than one property. They just have one, and it tends to stick with the families. So there's a lot of properties out there that need help. They're screaming for help. There's ruins, there are apartments in the middle of historical centres, which is an absolute pity to just let them disappear. And also another thing, I think we were talking about this yesterday, is that the communities, um, a lot of people, a lot of these communities are dwindling away. People aren't living in the communities anymore. And the town mayors want people to come and buy the properties so there's life, so there's business, so the community can start again. So I guess that's where a cheap Italian home comes from, from that perspective. Let's talk about the activism on behalf of some of these mayors. It's always fascinating to me that when any Italian town, it could be a, you know, a tiny hamlet of 200 inhabitants, mm -hmm. when they announce to the world that they're, quote unquote, selling buildings for a euro, uh, somehow it makes mm -hmm. it into every major uh, U.S. media outlet, right? It's like everybody is so enticed by this sort of treasure hunt idea, but it's not as simple as walking over with a shiny euro coin and picking your, your home. Yeah. Can you explain to our listeners what it actually means? And I know it's different town to town, but kind of what's the general idea of these one euro home schemes? Christina can explain it to you exactly because we get this question 10 to 15 times every single day. <laughs> so, okay. No surprise. <laughs> okay, I can tell you more or less because I'm not an expert on the subject, but a one euro home is a home that comes with many stipulations. So it doesn't actually cost one euro. You have to pay all the property tax, the attorney taxes, the notary taxes. It comes with many stipulations. So you have to get the permits to renovate the property within a certain amount of time. Then you have up to two or three years to actually completely renovate the property, meaning that for one euro, you can't do what you want with that property when you want. It has to be approved by the community or by the mayor or whoever's doing it. And again, I'm, gen I'm speaking generally because each little teeny tiny town is different. And in some cases you actually have to live there for five years and have residency. And we all know that it's not that easy to get residency like that in five years. Yeah. And a lot of them have to be full-time residents. Yes, full-time residency. It cannot be just a second home. And you can't time. rent it out for five years. Yeah. So in the, in, a, mm. in the end, it can end up costing you a lot more. Mm. Whereas a lot of the properties that we try to find is something that's a good value, but doesn't come with any of that heartache that goes along with, oh, you know, Italy, my God, the bureaucracy, if you want to start looking at. So you're just buying a home when the houses that we put into our newsletter are just homes that are for sale that we think look like really good value for what the price is. So it's not necessarily cheap in the cheap sense. It's a good value in the sense of what you're getting for what you're paying for and for the location. And for our listeners out there, in thinking about the arbitrage between a one euro home and, and something that's kind of good value, what's a kind of normal price that might come up? I know it's going to vary by place and by the house type, but are we talking in the five figures, six figures? What's kind of where you find the sweet spot? Oh, I'd say anything under 100,000. Yeah, we yeah. try to focus yeah. mostly under 100,000 because I think that's kind of a nest egg number a lot of people have. You know, it doesn't feel like a big risk if you're going to pay 40, 50, 60,000 euros for something. It, it seems, I don't know, it's like something you feel safe doing, I think. And to have as a second home, whereas I know in America, a lot of people have beach houses or something, and those could be millions of dollars. 
and then it's too much, you know, it, 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 it's occupying a lot of your headspace. Whereas I think if you have a little second home here that you can come to a few times a year and it's not costing you much, and even if you rent it, you're gonna pay for any bills you do have, you know, it's like you get all the fun of having a place without any of the fear factor. Yeah, that's a great way to put it. I mean, I, I know just sort of watching the experience of different friends and family of mine who do go back or do have homes, uh, um, you know, if you sort of take it from the right perspective and, and understand creatively that you can, you know, rent it, Airbnb it, uh, you know, utilize it as part business, part pleasure and kind of know your schedule ahead of time. I think that kind of number makes people feel a lot safer than even, like you say, going for a beach house that might be an hour and a half drive from where you live, but could be a much bigger undertaking in the end and you know, come with a lot more risk. Let's talk a little bit about the market in Italy and this idea of home ownership, because like as you say, there are so many families that are in their ancestral homes. Mm-hmm. Clearly, there's a lot of inventory floating around in Italy. Mm-hmm. Well, first of all, you've been doing this for a little, a little less than a year, right? Yeah, just since uh, we just hit our six month anniversary, yeah. actually. So oh, congratulations! Very thank you. <laughs> so you started this thing during the COVID crisis, and I know the abundance of real estate inventory in Italy has been a theme from before COVID. And we talk about these dollar one euro towns and things like that. What are you seeing? Sort of the trends now. Are you finding people looking more aggressively? Are you finding? a certain trend in sort of the regions they're looking or the type of homes they're looking for? What's the hot spot? Okay. Well, one thing that we've noticed just generally with Italians is that a lot of people are buying in the countryside now. So they may have had a property in this, in the historical centers. They may have been in the city and they don't want to be stuck again. If we go into another lockdown where they can't leave and go for a walk or do exercise or do shopping. So the trend now, especially in the area that we live in, is that people, not that they're selling their city home or their centre town home, that they're purchasing another property outside of town. And they're the ones that are going first, the little country homes. It's actually very difficult to find a country it's, home. It's very difficult. Very difficult. That's amazing. Mm. Sorry, most of what we see among our subscribers and our followers is um, obviously there's a big diversity of what they want. But the real, as you said, the real sweet spot of what they're looking for is most of them want something that is maybe one or two bedrooms. You know, it's their little hideaway, their pied-a-terre, their footprint here. And with a little bit of outdoor space, whether that's a balcony or a small private garden or a courtyard. So something that they know they can sit out in the evenings or mornings have their coffee. But a lot of what we are seeing for the people who are right to us every day is that they're looking for a place where they can park the car and walk, you know, so they can walk out to dinner, they can walk to the cafe, they can walk to get their newspaper in the morning, they can hang out with the guys at the, you know, have their coffee. They really want to be able to park the car and walk to everything, which is great because a lot of what we find to be the best value in these homes that really have that real Italian feel, you know, what you want with the exposed beams and the terracotta floors and that, those are the old places in the cities and they're beautifully maintained and going to be for another few centuries. Oh, definitely. Not going anywhere. Well, that's a great combination of the American sense of my automobile is my lifeline, but the Italian sense of passeggiata and knowing the people around and shopping on the day that you cook. And, you know, I've been all over Italy in my life and actually had an experience in the mid-90s where my parents decided they wanted this Italian life. Uh, and it was 
sort of turned out to be a disaster. I wish you guys had been around back then because we might still have <laughs> might still have our, our beautiful Umbrian farmhouse. But um, yeah, I, I think that when you picture that Italianita that you're going after, so much of it is the people that you interact with and the places that you go. And, yeah, community. Exactly. And it's interesting to see now how post-COVID, you know, my co-host Pat has done a lot of interviews with Italians of all different stripes about the sort of evolution of the country after COVID. And it's really fascinating to see a place where so much of the countryside was being abandoned for about a generation plus, even the small towns into these cities. And now I think people are opening up their eyes to see, you know what, if you can work remotely, we may not have to see these exodus anymore of people fleeing the countryside or fleeing the small towns, you know? That's so true. And we have seen that with the people that are looking for our houses. As I said, they so often like to have the one or two bedrooms. But often, as you probably already know yourself, so many of these homes have like little cantinas that have the beautiful, you know, brick arched, you know, downstairs. And they're gorgeous rooms. And a lot of them kind of plan to be using that as their remote office locations, you know, or if they're writers or any of those kind of things. Like, it's almost like a free space you get with these houses and they can be converted into even one that Christina just did on her own property. I mean, they can be converted into these beautiful spaces and... I think sometimes for an American to look at them and say, oh my God, it looks like so much work and there's no heat or whatever. But here they are so accustomed to be working with houses that are centuries old. Yeah. It, it's nothing for a worker here. Whereas a contractor in America would run a million miles from something like that. Here it's like, they just get stuck in and they do it because it's so, it, that's their everyday life. And, and so they, they do it well. And they do it yeah. really well. <laughs> and much cheaper than definitely yes. what we would have paid in the States anyways. Let's talk about that phase in the dream project, right? So let's share with everybody how your process works from kind of start to finish. So Mm -hmm. I found you guys through social media. I'm sure thousands and thousands of people have. I know you're oftentimes posting, you know, properties that you've uh, helped someone to find or properties that are available. But the real kind of bread and butter interaction with what your company does is through your newsletter, correct? Why don't you tell everybody what that consists of and how they can access it? We publish a weekly newsletter. It comes out on Thursday mornings. So if you're in America, when you wake up in the morning, it's going to be in your inbox. And uh, we usually try to feature about 20 or so homes every week. And in each house that we feature, we only choose homes that we love, that we, as I said before, that we think are great value for what they represent. Um, We tell you why we like the house. You know, is it the location, what you can walk to, what the amenities are, how much work it needs to be done. We tell you why we picked it and why we love the town that it's in or what that town has to offer. So you you can go off on your own and do a little more research, but at least you'll know what box is it going to tick for you? Is it near the beach? Is it walking to restaurants? You know, that sort of thing. But all of our people subscribe to the newsletter. It's $10 a month. So $2.50 a week. We charge it in dollars. And features every week. You yeah, know, yeah. Right now we're doing a four-part feature over the next month of January. Uh, the, all the cheapest cities across Italy. So, you know, they can get a little more background, a little more detail when they want that too. And then let's say I, I'm, I'm on your email list. I'm, I get the newsletter. I find the place I want. You guys are there as my sort of proxy and broker helping me get the deal done and finish this purchase? We can help. Yeah. We can help with whatever our subscribers want. Basically, but we provide the link to the agent. So they can try first to contact the agent and if they have any problems, then we can step in. But we can help 
anywhere. So we can help find a geometer. We know what a geometer is. It's like a surveyor, architect. Kind of like a building inspector. Yeah, a building inspector, but they also do all the paperwork, make sure all the permits are in place, make sure all the documents are correct before they go ahead to add the notary. So we can help the subscriber find that as well. We can go and do a tour of the property, or if we can't personally go, we can find someone to do it for them. We also offer a premium service where we can actually find our subscriber exactly the area they want, the property they want. So if they want a three-bedroom, two-bathroom home with a garden, a gated garden, then we can find that too. That's really wonderful. I mean, it's, you know, you can sort of have the adventure of stumbling onto the property that piques your interest or get that kind of custom fit, you know. I mean, everyone has a different budget. Not everybody wants to buy something that's under 100K. There are people out there who want things that are like 300, 400, 500. And that's where that premium service would come into play because we generally look for the the, the more broad spectrum. So our would be the people who want something under 100K, even 20K. And we have a lot of people asking for, which is, it, it, it's, it's, it warms your heart when you think about the people. I want to go to this town because my grandfather came from there. Mm-hmm. I want to be able to walk to the beach. I want, and they all want it within a certain budget, even if it's 40K. And sometimes we can find it. I wanted to talk a little bit about the renovation side because you, you mentioned okay. the artisans. But let me let me skip ahead to something you just brought up that's really been on the back of my mind since I stumbled onto your enterprise here. Mm-hmm. Do you get a lot of, let's say, diasporic Italians, right? We in America or the Aussies or the Canadians or South Africans, whoever it is, mm-hmm. that are looking for just the kind of under the Tuscan sun and they want to be in Tuscany and Umbria? Or do you get a lot of people who want to get to their roots in their ancestral towns? Is there a common thread? Uh, I think among the Italian Americans, there's a very common thread. They want to be where their family came from. If not in the exact town, they definitely want to be in that vicinity. If their family is from Puglia, they want to be in Puglia or Abruzzo. Or they want to be where they're from. And a lot of them tend to be Southern Italian. And there are some magnificent properties down there. So we do, what we do when somebody subscribes, we ask them, we have a little mini survey that we can send out to them to just give us kind of their short list of what's important to them as Christina was kind of saying, you know, are you a city mouse or a country mouse? Do you need outdoor space? Do you want to walk to this? Is, do you need schools nearby? Do you need a hospital? And we try to say, to look, just give us your dream list. We are not going to hit everything on your list, obviously, but let us know what's the non-negotiables. So then when we're out talking to our agents all the time and putting our feelers out there, we have a hit list that we're always working against to try to help people find the exact thing we're looking for. And so when a new subscriber comes on board, we can say, you know that thing you wanted to find something right in historic Leche, you're not going to believe what we found for you this week. So then we'll tag them when we're sending out the post on Instagram for them to be able to find it. Stephanie, I think it sounds like you and I both need to be taking advantage of these services, right? Because I'm sitting here listening and thinking to myself, yeah, Leche sounds great. You know, my wife... I actually just subscribed while we were talking. <laughs> <laughs> I, already, yep, I already know exactly what I want. I know what I want to ask you and I am ready for this. This is fascinating. And just the fact that you would be able to help out with some of the big questions, because as an American going into a small town like Guardia, in my case, I don't know who to contact. I don't know if I need a specific permit to do any kind of construction. And to hear what you have to say, that really takes a lot of the guesswork out of it. 
Oh, it really does. And I think so many people, they have this really big fear factor that they think they're going to be taken advantage of because they're in a foreign country that it, we have never encountered anything even remotely like that. You know, I think people love to throw up the horror stories, but you know, it's like a shark attack. You know, it gets a lot of news because it's a rarity. But I think what we have found is the people that have returned to these communities, everyone helps them so much. I mean, they are so, they want to see people coming back into these things and they say, oh my God, you know, this is your grandmother's place or your great, great grandmother came from here. I mean, they love to see Italian Americans returning to, you know, to their homeland, really, you know, does Italians proud as well. Yeah, it certainly does. And, and I think that it's interesting to see, you know, I, I've been a professional Italian American for 10 plus years now, and obviously a passionate student of this stuff my whole life. And I do feel like in the kind of advent of all of these genealogy websites and DNA testing and all this stuff, people that maybe a generation prior, you know, would say, well, my family's from Naples, meaning, you know, we, we left the port of Naples or what used to be the kingdom of Naples was the whole southern half of the peninsula. Generations now are finding ways to find their real ancestral towns. And we deal with that a lot here. And I do think it makes a big difference having the experience of somewhere where you might even stumble onto somebody who has some living memory of your ancestors or could tell you where the home is. And of course, distant relatives, it makes it a whole different experience, you know? Oh, it definitely does. Christine and I were just talking yesterday. I think what we both like so much is kind of even how like the life is so simple here. And I think even after COVID, people are really realizing that, that it, a lot of it is your ancestor. But I think a lot of people are just kind of done with the frenetic pace yeah, of going life. back to basics back just to going basics. back to basics even even cooking people can't go to restaurants anymore like they could not all the time because we have curfews so many many more people now are concentrating also on where they get their fruit and veg and you get it from the little old lady down the road who has a little country house and she sells you her spinach and she sells yeah. her carrots and her celery and then she'll even tell you what to make with it if you don't know she'll tell you I've had so many little old ladies giving me fabulous recipes, not just from Tuscany when we get a Puglia. Oh, I've got the best recipe from Puglia, I must tell you next time. Um, <laughs> but there's some fabulous, fabulous things about just getting back to basics again. Even kids just wandering around in the countryside, going for walks, meeting up in the, on the hillside, picking cherries in the summer. I mean, who does that now? Italians do. <laughs> yeah, that's something we've noticed. And, you know, we say it a lot on the show the Italian sensibilities that many of us in the diaspora have been able to maintain for, you know, kind of the appreciation of a slower food and preparation of you know, pickling or canning or preserving. And I hate to say we're sort of suited to this kind of weird environment, but the truth of the matter is I always say Italians are really good at being human beings. And in a time where you're detached from all the stuff that makes us robotic um, it's easy to fall back into that nature and, and be really good humans and good at, at living a very humanistic life. So I can definitely see where that lifestyle may be the biggest draw of all, particularly now, as people sort of look at their priorities differently. Well, apart from slow food, there's also, I don't know if it exists, the slow life movement. We also have many artisans. So if you want something handmade or hand done, whether it be leather with wood, carpentry there's a professional there's an artisan out there who does it for you 
and you're and it's always somebody you know oh my grandfather my uncle and that's another part of this whole community thing and I don't know about you Michelle I love the fact walking down the court so everybody knows who you are yeah everybody knows who you are who your kids are who your husband is a lot of people might not like that but that gives me warmth it gives me it makes me feel alive you're the fabric of something yeah absolutely but like during over the COVID the first lockdown when we were everybody was still so scared and you know wasn't as normal as it was now and my husband and I have a little vegetable garden out here and our neighbors up above us in our building would put down on a basket on a rope their little basket and we would fill it up with our tomatoes or lettuces and they'd bring their herbs and they'd bring it back up <laughs> then they'd be sending that showing me the picture but love what I made with the broccoli <laughs> you know <laughs> like you know you are part of something here you are definitely part of something and I think that that in my experience in my whole life has always been the sort of Italian ability to thrive in a, an environment of sort of like we say the tribe, you know, certainly definitely there's a private side to the Italianita, but I think being around others and interacting with them in an honest way and an inclusiveness and an openness to share, I think is so wonderful. Like, you know, I remember being a kid, we'd go to Italy every summer and we'd always start with a couple of days in Rome because my uncle used to live in Rome and his favorite thing to do every morning would be to go to Campa de Fiori and to get white breakfast pizza at the Antico Forno bakery. And, you know, we'd get there real early and then we'd go out and walk amongst the, what was then still predominantly flower peddlers. But there was one booth with an old woman and her husband and she sold, you know, beans and cheese and and, uh, preserved meats and things. And she would always slice one piece of either prosciutto or mortadella or something for my brothers and I and put it on top of our pizza. And we did that ritual without ever introducing ourselves, I think, for probably 10 years in our childhood. And she always remembered us when we came back. And I thought to myself, you know, this is this is not a small town. This is Rome, and this woman probably sees millions of people over the course of the year, but she knew who liked mortadella and who liked prosciutto without ever asking our names. I think that's so Italian. Oh, it is. I remember when my kids were growing up, I'd go to the supermarket, and they'd only be little tiny tots. And the lady behind the, the del- delicatessen-style place would always give them like a piece of focaccia every single time the kids would actually run up and put their little hands out I want my focaccia and they knew the names of the kids like everybody and there's there's also another thing um that I wanted to mention about the vineyards as well you can walk through anybody's vineyard here and they are happy to show you how they make the wine sell you the wine and you know how much five liters of wine costs like a great big dummy jean, I think it's about seven euros a litre. Wow. Yeah. So, <laughs> and it's fabulous. <laughs> yeah, that, that's a whole, we, uh, so we like to say around here, that's a whole other episode because, you know, oh, people, yeah. <laughs> pe- people don't realize that uh, these wines that never really make their way outside of Italy, they're consumed in Italy, they can compete with any of the most expensive bottles you're going to buy somewhere else. It's just... The good stuff stays local because people are yeah. Italians have good taste. <laughs> <laughs> that what you're drinking now, yeah? And you know yourself, I'm sure. You know, you're getting the local prosciuttos or salamis. And the, the bakery that my husband walks to every morning with our daughter to get the bread has been there since the 12th century. <laughs> and I mean, I mean like, that's just mind-blowing. And she's 100 yards up the road. And he goes up every day with my daughter. And, of course, it's like that. You have to take a little biscotti with you. You have to take something else. But it, and it's 
like a magnificent loaf of bread that in America, I think I would have paid five or six dollars for it. Here it's like 70 cents. It's crazy. I mean, it's just nothing. And it's been there for uh, ever. It's amazing. You can see why when people study Mediterranean diet and longevity and all of these questions, you can see why Italy always finishes so uh, high in the charts. You know, it's just, it's just a place where life is appreciated, I think, for the things that make it life and, and not the kind of trappings that can oftentimes make it far less human. So uh, you've got me now pondering where I'm going to go. And uh, I have the blessing and the curse of having six or seven regions in my ancestry, all Southern. And my wife is half Tuscan, half Abruzzese, although her Abruzzese side then goes into Lazio and her Tuscan side has some Parma and Piacenza. And my family's from Campania and Basilicata and Puglia and Sicily. So I can never really decide where I want to look. I'm always I can't kinda... decide for you either. <laughs> <laughs> but, and a lot of good choices there. I know. I could have a whole fleet of different homes, but... Tell me what are the kind of hot spots right now that you're seeing trending up anywhere from, from the Alps to Lampedusa. What are the kind of places that you think are not necessarily overdone, but maybe a good little uh, investment for the future? I think we both have different answers. Yeah. Yeah. I'll go first. So right now what I see trending is northern Italy. Northern Italy seemed to be extremely cheap. It offers a great lifestyle. The weather's not as... Um, great as maybe central Italy or down down south because of the, the cold air. But for people who love to ski or people who love the fresh air, people who want to be close to Switzerland or France or Austria, I think it's a great place to be. Um, and then that being said, I also like south, 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 so Sicily. Yeah, yeah. so I'd say Absolutely. northern Italy or Sicily. What about you? I would definitely agree with all of that. And also the other night when I was talking to Christina's husband, David, he said he doesn't understand why there's not more people in Le Market. Is you know mm-hmm. it looks exactly like Tuscany or Umbria, and the prices are a third of what they would be oh, locally. Yeah, and they're beautiful, beautiful homes, beautiful towns, beautifully preserved. Food is great, close to everything. So I think I got to look at a lot of Le Market, but I love everything in the south too. I really do. I love. The houses in Molise, Abruzzo, Puglia, Sicily. There's just, oh, there's so much passion for the food and everything down there too. You have to love it. So let me ask you guys then, if somebody said to you, okay, here's a $100,000, buy a second home in any region other than the one you live right now, where would each of you pick? Oh, I would pick Puglia. I'd pick Puglia. Oh, <laughs> oh man. If our co-host Rosella was on here right now, we'd be blaring horns. She's, she's missing <laughs> Yeah, it's kind of wild. Like it, it has these areas that are not built up. Like where you, we, we live in Tuscany, and sure, there are there are lots of homes and beautiful communities. Puglia is kind of it feels raw. Yeah, raw still. Yeah. yeah, like you can get you can go from the sublime to the ridiculous. You can go for beautiful beaches with swanky car parks and beautiful resorts, and then you can go and drive into like a sand hill where you've got like a, a little old man who's asking you for five euros to park your car and you go into a free beach, which is just as beautiful. You just don't have the swanky hotel or resort next to you. Yeah, I've been spending more and more time in Puglia over the past couple of years. My grandmother's family's from a, a town called Palo del Cole, right outside of Bari. And a friend of ours decided to get married in Italy two or three years ago. 
he's Iranian American, his wife is Japanese American, and somehow they decided on Italy, and they were looking at Tuscany, and I said, well, let's look south, you know, let me help you. And they, they settled on Lecce, and it was my first time in Lecce, and I thought, this is a city that should be far more well-known. I mean, the architecture, the cuisine, the sense of so much going on in the historical center, I, I love Lecce. Florence of the South. Don't yeah, they do. Yeah. Spectacular. But I think there are so many places like that. I think the first time somebody comes to Italy, you know, they hit the high points. They do Florence, Pisa, Rome. You know, you see the stuff like when you go to Paris, you have to go see the Eiffel Tower. You know, they do the things they have to do. But then when they start to come back and spend more time, they realize that's where the real jewels are. It's the Leches or Noto in Sicily, you know, just extraordinary Baroque city. The, the likes of which you're never going to see. But then if you talk to anybody that hasn't, isn't from Sicily, they've never heard of it. But it's an amazing city, amazing values. And I think there's just so many places like that that we find that we're learning about every single week. Oh, like Luca in Tuscany. Luca is better than Pisa. <laughs> it's beautiful. That's where my wife's grandmother's from, uh, Bagni di Luca. Bagni di Luca. Oh, okay. But you've got friends from Bagni di Luca. <laughs> yeah. an amazing house there last week. <laughs> My wife's grandmother is 93, and uh, I think two or three years ago, she decided that she was going to sell their ancestral home that had been in the family for you know forever. And we went and helped her do it, my in-laws, my wife and I. And it was a big decision for them because, you know, it, not that they had been occupying it much, but, you know, every summer they would spend time there. And it's interesting to see some of these homes come to market you know, in America, if a place comes to market after 30 years and one family's use, you say, wow, this place has really been hidden for a while. But some of these are coming up for after hundreds of years of never coming on the market, you know. So being in the know with the service like you guys provide, it's the opportunity to sort of catch a falling star, really. It is, and I think it really can be because it works the same way from the agents on this side, you know. I mean, first of all, Christina knows everybody that's ever been invented <laughs> in Italy. So she talks to everybody constantly. But, you know, Italians here, the agents, are not really good at, you know, at the internet stuff of getting the word out there. No. You know, so, like, they're just as thankful to see us coming along and say, yeah, absolutely, show it to people. We love having it. Because they don't promote it. No, I, think, I don't think they know how to. They don't. No. It's still a smaller world to them here. I always say for people that can, you know, wrap a box of pastries to look like a renaissance mm-hmm. piece of artwork or can curate a store so that you go in and you automatically feel different just entering the doorway uh, marketing's just not an italian strength no, i mean it's very new and although there are some agencies who are starting to do it especially with the photos of the property and, you, and we have a giggle all the time. We actually thought about doing a post on all the worst photos. We <laughs> oh my goodness. Some terrible photos. Yeah. And it's hard because sometimes we find some great, great properties, but we can't post those photos. We can't. I mean, it's, and sometimes we've actually gone ourselves and taken photos. Yes. Because it's like, could you get your husband yeah. out of the bed before yeah. you take the photos? <laughs> yeah. I, my wife and I, I always have a, this habit from when I was a kid of looking through properties in Italy and, you know, the major real estate sites oftentimes only have like, you know, castles in Varese and, you know, these kind of Palladian mansions. And then if you do find an Italian site that is available in English, which is rare, yeah, you get, sometimes you see these properties and it's like three photos, one of which is like the lounge chair in the living room. Yeah. Yeah. And like, you know, the, the tank above the toilet and you're like, I can't get a sense of what 
this, you know. Yeah. Yeah. yeah that's where we have our work cut out for us, I think, is because, as Christina said, we do come a lot across mm -hmm. a lot of properties that we know ourselves like, ah, it's a great property. But it, it's not going to translate well. You know, we have to really dig to find the properties that are going to come across to something to an American, Australian, in England, whatever. They're going to say, oh, yeah, I get what it is. I get where it can be or that it's moved and ready, that it's understandable, relatable, I guess. Yeah, for some reason, I mean, I wish Pat was here because he's been doing import-export stuff for 20-something years. And, you know, you can tell the Italians, look, this is what works in the United States, and here's how it, the market would receive it. And they just are very set in their ways, and they're okay with, you know. Stubborn. But very stubborn. Great at the same time. Yeah. You know, because they changed, and then it's like, ah, then it would just be like London or New York or whatever again. You know, the fact that they are stubborn it's kind of what adds to it at the end of the day. It's true. As to the frustration, it adds to the lifestyle. <laughs> Completely right. I always say that everybody who, you know, is up in arms about the death of Italy and the birth rate and it's changing and this, and I always say, as long as I go there and have to pay for my coffee before I order it, I know that I'm still in Italy and it's still the place that uh, I knew growing up because no other country in the world would ask you to buy the receipt first, then take it. I mean, it's just, none of it makes sense. But as long as it does, <laughs> as long as it doesn't make sense, yeah, of course you're used to it, you know. I mean, but I mean, it wasn't that long ago we were buying Jatone tokens for telephone calls like it was an arcade game. I, uh, but to me, that's what makes Italy Italy. So as long as there's those sort of stubborn maintenances of tradition, I think it's going to be a great place to live. And uh, I think it is, it really is. And I think our audience um, is going to really, really celebrate the opportunity to hear you guys and and find you guys and get some guidance because I know in our community, especially now where people are reassessing their lives in, in so many ways, it's just kind of that time to go for the big dreams and, and to do the things that are going to make your life better lived. We totally agree. We totally agree. <laughs> we did it. So if we can do it, anybody can do it. And I mean, I'm not, you know, a princess or a queen or anything like that. I came from a working class family in Australia. I came here just on a whim and decided I want to live here and I made it work. Now that was 24 years ago, yeah. but it's still, people are still doing it now. It might be a little bit harder, but it's definitely worth it. At the same time, 24 years ago, you know, I remember Italy 24 years ago. You talk about a lack of internet and things like, I mean. Oh, there was no internet. <laughs> there was no internet, right? So, <laughs> no. you know, it's a lot easier in many ways nowadays as well. So I think it's well worth it. Let the games begin. Mediaset Italia has the most exciting, high-octane, full-drama game shows and reality TV this fall. With new seasons of Celebrities Stuck Together 24-7 on Grande Fratello Vip. Testing your smarts on Chi Vuole Essere Milionario with Jerry Scotti. And the biggest talents in Italy discovered with Tu Si Che Vales. Plus, more trivia tests on Caduta Libera and important stories and exclusive interviews with live Nonè Ladurso. Direct TV has the Italian TV you love. Get Mediaset Italia a la carte for $10 a month plus taxes or the Italian Direct Package for $20 a month plus taxes. Visit directtv.com forward slash Mediaset or call 1-877-912-2702 to learn more and subscribe. World Direct a la carte service requires activation of a qualifying base package. For new customers, equipment lease, activation, early termination, equipment non-return, and other charges and restrictions apply. Call 
877-912-2702 or visit att.com for full details. Why don't you tell our audience how they can find you, what's the best way to reach out, and uh, you know, if they really want to begin this dream process, what, what can they do? Absolutely. They can um, go to our website, mycheapitalianhome.com or mycheapitalianhome on Instagram or Facebook. And Christine and I were just throwing it out there before we went to this uh, chat with you guys. We were saying maybe as a little thank you, we should offer to your people that if they want to sign up for a yearly subscription today or when they listen to the podcast, we'll um, give them back a $25 rebate on their annual subscription. Just as a thank you introduced more Italian Americans into our following. Well, that's really wonderful. And I can guarantee you our listeners will take you up on that. And uh, we've had so many businesses that we've featured and highlighted who have said, I can't believe how many people have called. And so I'm sure you will get many, many listeners from the Italian American podcast reaching out. And uh, I know my community well, if you're offering a discount, they will not let it go unspoken. So they will remind you that they heard on the Italian American podcast, I'm sure. So that's but we love it. You know, when we started this whole thing, we just really wanted to be super interactive with the people that found us. And like, we are way more than I think we even thought it was going to end up being. We have like our favorite subscribers who writes us every day about what he's looking at. He and his wife are celebrating their 50th anniversary this summer. They're going to come visit us in custody yeah. this <laughs> summer. And he's going to invite the first Prosecco. <laughs> but it's lovely that you, like, you find these people that, it's an amazing thing that you get to have over the internet now, the people that you'd never would have met in your lifetime. And you have these really that's close the best relationships. Part. I think that's the best part of it. it We've is. found our own community within another community and, and it gives us a chance to share our community as well. That's what it's been like for us here at the podcast. I mean, we kind of call it the digital piazza. It's this chance for us to interact with people from all over the world and zoom meetings or Facebook groups and all of these different opportunities to be a part of something. And that's, you know, that's the blessing of modern technology. You can, you can do this on a regular basis. Especially something like this, where something that we all have so much pride in and, you know, I'm so proud to, I, I have no Italian heritage at all, but I'm so proud to live in Italy and I'm so proud to talk it up to anybody who wants to listen to how much I love it. And I think it's just amazing that there is a huge, huge amount of people out there that feel the same way. Oh, and now that you have this way to connect to them all is, kind of mind-blowing really there's something very inviting and open about this italianita and you know it's like if you if you really love your church the converts the best evangelist you know so I, i love meeting those of us who like you michelle may not have the italian dna in the in the ancestry but are champions of the place and really appreciate it for all of its wacky wonderfulness because let's face it it's it's a wacky place but probably in my mind the best there is uh, in the world. So I, I totally understand that Italianness as an identity is one that you can find and wrap around yourself like a great warm, cozy blanket and never have to relinquish. Oh, it is so true. I mean, you just realize that like we had a post up on Instagram for a while that was, I think, one of our most popular ones. And it was something that my husband says that I may not have been born in Italy, but I was born to be in Italy. Mm. And really very true you know there's just like you said even though it's a wacky crazy life sometimes it is so captivating it just yesterday we had to pay a bill that who knows what it was but we don't have an envelope we don't have a stamp so my husband goes to 
the little card shop that's at our corner to buy an envelope. And she said, oh, no, I don't have the stamp, but let me bring you next door to the tobaccoria. And he puts the stamp on it for him. And now I have ones that look like, you know, the whatever, the something in Rome or the Duomo. Which stamp would you like? And it's, you know, it's a 30-minute process to put the stamp on an envelope. He said, I wasn't paying, you know, a euro for any of this, but the amount of time and attention you get just to milk the bills. Like, I don't know. Every day it makes you smile. Yeah, it, I, I always say with all due respect to his body of work, everybody celebrates Fellini's genius. But in some sense, you could just turn a camera on that place and it's Fellini-esque in its nature. You know what I mean? I, I don't know how much you have to really str- struggle to create those scenes because we've all lived so many of them and uh, that's part of the joy of being there. So uh, thank you guys for providing people and now our audience the opportunity to be extras in this great Fellini movie that we call Life in Italy. Wow. Thank you. Thanks, John. Thanks a lot. Thanks for having us. Yeah. We'd love to come back anytime. This has been a lot of fun. This is amazing. Yeah. Stephanie, <laughs> what, what? <laughs> now that Stephanie signed up. Uh... You know, I've been listening so intently on this whole entire conversation and I, you really took a lot of my questions and answered them before I could even ask them. And it just feels like I'm ready. I, I don't know if John will let me work from Italy, but um, <laughs> <I don't. laughs> everybody else is. <laughs> yeah, everybody else is. It's crazy. I mean, even um, one of my other cousins in Guardia is a lawyer. So they've been sending me some of the home listings and what you were saying about the marketing issues with the photos um you know there's some of them that have been backlit so you can't actually see the inside of the house or there's like these random shadows places. <laughs> just like okay this may not be such a good idea but now thanks to you I understand how some of these things work so I'm really looking forward to getting the newsletter and seeing what's out there I mean Calabria too is another place that I'm really interested in just to explore I have not been yet my grandmother's family's from there and I'm looking forward to getting over there for the first time to explore it. So who knows? I might decide to go to Campania or Calabria or whatever, but I definitely see myself getting some sort of property over there. And thanks to you, I feel like it's more attainable than it was before we signed on this call. Oh, and you must contact us when you come. I, will. I promise. Absolutely. We could meet up for an aperitivo somewhere. <laughs> I would love that. Stephanie will definitely do that. I know her well enough by now to know. Yes. She will make the effort. She'll find you. You'll find her. And, uh, you know, once you guys have uploaded her specifics and had the conversation, maybe we can get back on the horn for another episode down the line and see if we can do some sort of House Hunters International with Stephanie. And uh, I yeah. love it. That's like so, a whole sub-series to the Italian yes. American podcast. Yes. <laughs> Listen, that'll end up on our YouTube channel. Stephanie finds an Italian home. That would be great. It'll be hilarious. <laughs> Before I let you guys go, let me ask one kind of more serious question. Do you get any sense from the Italian side when we will be able to come back? Here it seems to be changing it's every weekly. day. Really, we yeah. don't know what's going to happen next week and probably till tomorrow. Yeah. So every week we get sort of like an answer, more or less every week, isn't every it? Every week, yeah. yeah. Our kids don't even know if they're going to school on Monday or if they stay home. Wow. Well. Yeah. My daughter hasn't been in school since September. So it's, but at the same time, like Christine always says, Italy will be waiting. Yeah. You know, and I think anytime it's a nice little way to armchair travel and people get to dream, they're learning about the market. 
And so maybe when they do come, they're probably going to save a few dollars because rather than getting in the car like my husband and I did and drive all over the countryside for six weeks checking stuff out, they'll be more, they'll feel more confident about going to a specific area and really, you know, looking at houses and getting, you know, something done. I think you're completely right. Yeah. I think that's a wonderful, you know, we've had many conversations about survival through this and thriving through this and it's always preparation. So here's the time to prepare. Here's the resources to prepare my cheap Italian home, a great opportunity for everybody out there to get a little leg up on this wonderful quest for the Italian American dream. And, uh, a return in some capacity to our wonderful, wonderful Madre Patria, as we say. So, ladies, thank you so much for coming on. This has been a pleasure. I will be sending you my uh, lists and specifics down the road a little bit and okay. signing up for my membership and uh, looking forward to getting the newsletter. Thank, thank you. you so much, John. And great fun. And Stephanie, too. We have to do it again. Yes. Thank you. This has been fantastic. Well, for everybody out there, I hope you take advantage of this wonderful new relationship and this very generous discount that you have available to you as a listener to the Italian American podcast. It is never a bad idea to do the work and explore this great opportunity. And uh, we here at the Italian American podcast would love to hear all about your search and your findings and eventually your new home in La Bella Italia. So from all of us, at the Italian American podcast, thanks for listening and we'll see you next week. Your life will be great. See that you're born an Italian If you want your life to be great See that you're born an Italiano And your life will be great See that you're born an Italiano 